Welcome to Block to Block Podcast, where we discuss everything from my block to your block. And I am your host, Queen Esther. Welcome. And Block to Block brings you fresh new episodes every week. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our latest episode, hashtag race and education with Dr. Kalasia OJ, go check that out. I'm running right now. Shout out to Dr. Kalasia for chilling on the block with us. Block to Block streams on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and on Monday, the Culture Play radio station. And that's at 11 a.m., 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, okay? If you, miss, or if you miss Monday's episode, you're in luck because it streams again on Wednesday, same time, 11 a.m., 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make sure you download all the apps for free. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Slide into our DMs, you know, and let us know what you think of this episode and past episodes. So our um, email is becauseitsblocked at gmail.com, and then again on Instagram at becauseitsblocked. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing guest on today's show. So we have actress, comedian, writer, and fellow podcaster, and newly author, Chloe Hilliard. Welcome to the block, Chloe. Thanks for having me. What's up, Queen? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing really well. Awesome. I'm doing well. You made me sound really good. I'm like, ooh, I hope I live up to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> you are good, girl. You are good. Okay, so before we get started with the interview, we have here on the block, we play um, Run Around the Block. It's like, you know, it's my version of an icebreaker where mm-hmm. I ask you very random questions, and you answer by saying the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you I, ready? I am. Okay. Uh, right. When was the last time you cried laughing? Oh, my goodness. It was, uh, <laughs> I want to say, in September. Um, I mean, I'm sure there was one, like, since then, but the one that I vi- remember vividly, it was me and two of my best friends in comedy, uh, Monroe Martin and, and Reggie Conquest. The three of us took a, a five-hour road trip to do a gig upstate. <laughs> and, we, you know, when you're in a car with your friends. And it's weird. It's like, you know, you know people, but then when you're really like in the confines of a car, like you really get to like yes. weird things that you didn't know. So we just were like learning things about each other. And it was, I mean, I, we died laughing in a parking lot of Target because Monroe told us <laughs> how much he spent on a jacket that we thought was ugly and it was way too much money. And we just, just the tears because his confidence was so happy about this jacket. He was like, you paid that? Oh, hell no. We just started crying laughing. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Did he keep the jacket? Yeah, he said he's keeping it because he wants to give it to his future kids. He was like, and <laughs> crying, tears. <laughs> okay, next question. What was your first job? My first job, I worked at the U.S. Open. It was a seasonal job. It was two okay. weeks during the summertime at the U.S. The tennis, the tennis U.S. Open was like Serena and Fletcher Meadow Park, Queens, and I worked in oh, a, nice. pizza, a pizza stand, which was, okay. like, you know, when you're, it's like when you're young, you just you think it's cool to just be out the house 
but it was literally a hot ass pizza stand <laughs> with two pizza ovens in the dead of summer, and the oven oh was like God. two feet away from my back. And I was a cashier, and oh. I didn't have a cash register. I had to use a cash box and count on my fingers. Oh was, Lord! I was I was given the wrong change for like two weeks. Nobody said anything. They just thought I was like a little a little inner city kid trying to make her way. So they just was like, "You go ahead and keep the change, honey." <laughs> Wait, did you ever get to see Serena? No, I never saw her. I, I, I see, I saw her like on the practice court because you know when you're yeah. there all day, when you're there all day, like before the general public opens, the, there's like practice courts, and you can like they'll tell you yeah. like, oh, she's out on the court. You can go like watch her, um, do, like through the through the fence or whatever. So that was cool, but I never okay. watched. I don't even know. I still oh. to this day, I don't know how tennis is scored. I don't know. I just know when black people <laughs> on the court, I'm rooting for them. <laughs> right, right. I feel the same way, but I love watching tennis, though, but I don't know how to count the scores. No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, next question. What is your favorite thing to order from a fast food chain? Oh, man, I don't don't even eat fast food. Honestly, I haven't been to a fast food restaurant in forever, Um, but I know. I haven't. (laughs) That's Um, good, though. That's good. Yeah. I mean, if I if okay. I had to, like if I had to, yeah. I probably would be an apple pie from McDonald's. Okay. Oh, my God. My dad used to buy so many of those when we were young. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but, I, see, that, but see, that's when they were really good, though, because when we were young, yeah. they would burn your mouth. Remember, they were so hot that <laughs> they would chew them because they was burning their mouth. And it was like an actual, like, pie pie. And now they give us these, like, apple, apple, you know, hot pockets. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Next question. What movie or song best describes your personality? Hmm. Oh, oh man. I would say song Bilal Soul Sister. Probably oh my. my personality, yeah. And I and I'm saying that from OG Bilal, not like just because yeah. the song got reissued on Queen and Slim. Shout out to all the late birds when it comes to Bilal. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, when I was in college. Yes, so I love me some Bilal. Yes. Okay. Um, next question. What is one household product that you cannot live without? Hmm. I would say I love a good pine salt, light salt, anything that smells like pine, like the cleaning mm. thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. I don't think it's clean until I smell all of the evergreen forest. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. All right. Last question. What do you wait for a discount sale to buy? Oh, uh, an expensive pocketbook. I just, I just did that. <laughs> like a, a really, ex- I would never pay full price for an expensive pocketbook. But once you go on, I don't blame you. Yes. 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 I do not blame you. Okay, so that was Run Around the Block. Did you enjoy that? Yes, it was fun. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Chloe, for those who don't know you or who is not familiar with you, let the neighbors know who you are, where you're from, and what do you do? Okay, my name is Chloe Hilliard. I am a New York City, Brooklyn, born and raised uh, <laughs> comedian and 
writer. I Before I was a comedian, I was a journalist. Um, for over a decade, I worked at the Source Magazine, Vibe Magazine, uh, The Village Voice, Hearst Magazine. I've interviewed celebrities. I, I focused a lot during that time on, like, um, cultural and social issues that affected, you know, our community. And then from there, I got into stand-up comedy because I actually didn't want to be a comic. I just did, I took a stand-up class so that I could move into on-camera journalism. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted mm-hmm. to be like, I want to be quick on my feet and interview people and be funny. You know, I just wanted to use all of the resources that I had, but just like punch it up. And then I kind of fell in love with comedy and it's been almost 10 years later and I've been touring the country, performing all over America and been on television a couple times. And now I have a book coming out January 7th called so Dope. Yep. <laughs> so dope. Okay. So, I mean, listening to all of that, that's so inspiring. That's amazing. So what was your first stand-up comedy performance? your first um, stand-up comedy performance? Yeah, so it was it was the graduation show for the class I took, and I was oh, so nice. nervous. Yeah, and it was so <laughs> strange because I don't really, up until that point, I didn't really get nervous. Um, I grew up in a church. I was always in all of the plays. <laughs> I was always the, the narrator, you know, and I, yeah. I was... It was easy to just go stand go stand up in front of people and talk, Chloe. We need you to do this or fill this time in or and I was fine. But then when it came to doing stand up comedy, it was just like a higher expectation because it was like, Okay, now I gotta be funny, you know? Yeah. And I just had like had to do five minutes five minutes of material that I had worked on over the course of the course of class and I was so nervous I couldn't even take the microphone out of the stand. I just <laughs> left it in the stand. And then I put like a cheat sheet of my jokes on the like the fatty part of my thumb. So like if I could turn and I look down, I could see like little bullet points with like all my jokes. So if you watch the video, it's like after every joke, I'm I'll laugh and I'll look down because I'm I'm like looking down to see what my next joke is. <laughs> That's good, and I can tell you. Uh huh. No, no, okay. I was gonna say that. Um, Coming from someone who, because I, I, I too have like stood in front of the audience, I've hosted events, it's nothing to me. Mm-hmm. But my friend persuaded me to do my first stand-up comedy last year, and I want to say that was the hardest thing ever. Yeah. It's just so hard when you have to like, like obviously the attention is on you, but you have to entertain these people, you have to make it laugh, you have to make them laugh. And mm-hmm. honestly, I, to date, that is probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. And I've done some hard things. I've moved from New York by myself to Los Angeles. I've done so many things. Like, I literally quit my job and it was like, you know, this is not for me. I'm going to do this. But I think yeah. stand-up comedy was the, is the hardest. It's to, to date, it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, so, it is. That it is all the stand-up comedy. Yeah, I I mean, I take it for granted now because now it's like, you know, it's like breathing. I, I'm so used yeah. to it. Yeah. And, um, and it definitely, it definitely, I think whenever you work in an art form or any, any line of a career or passion that you seek out, it, the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. But then also you you start to change like the way you think about things starts to shift because you're looking at it from a more critical eye of whatever your right. art form is and how you know right. how can I take this situation and, and apply it to like 
my painting, my script, my stand-up comedy, like whatever it is that you, however you express yourself, you just start to like observe the world in a different way, I think, because your art mm. form is dependent upon how you interpret the world. Right, right. That's good. Okay, so tell us one of your most, um, I guess, your memorable performances. Um, I would say, so I, I, a memorable performance I had about two, oh, about, yeah, about a year ago, I opened for Wanda Sykes at oh, nice. women's, yeah, at the women's, it was a women's comedy festival in Boston, Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. interesting enough, I had met Wanda before then, because when I did, I was a contestant, a semifinalist on NBC's Live Comic Standing when she was the executive producer. So they launched Live Comic Standing many years ago, and they, you know, took it off, and it came back. And so when they brought it back, she and her production company were the executive producers, and they brought the show back, and I was on that season. Yeah. And right. so I, I met her during that process, like when I interviewed, when I, not interviewed, when I auditioned, you know, like she was in the back and she's really a petite woman. She was in the back and I like heard her laugh and I was like, Oh my God, I heard one of the laugh. And then like fast forward, I've been <laughs> performing all over the country and like, you know, working and developing my act. And then she invited me to open for her at this oh, women's nice. comedy festival. And it was like a sold out theater. And that was kind of like a full circle moment. Like, Oh, I, I'm really like, I'm really doing this thing. Like this is That's really so happening. Dope. Yeah. That is so dope. So how did you do that that um, performance? I did really well. I was actually, you know, I was actually nervous for that one too. I was nervous because I knew that she would be watching me, and I did about like yeah. twenty, like twenty twenty five minutes, and that's like a good chunk of time. She ended up doing like an that's hour, a lot. hour, like yeah. She just, she does like over an hour, but like when I got there, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna open. What you want me to do? Like ten, fifteen minutes? She was like, no, 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 do like twenty twenty five, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, and I think also the other thing is like, yes, part of it is like she's there and she's listening, but also it's like these people are her fans. They don't know me. So it's kind of like, right. you know, sometimes right. that could be a little bit more of an obstacle, but it, it went really well. And, you know, after the show, people came up to me like, you're really funny. Like, what's your name? You know, like starting <laughs> to like, where yeah. can I see more of your stuff? And I was like, oh, okay, this is like, I, I can I can do this in front of audiences who have no context of who I am. Right, right. Awesome. Okay, next question. Um, Do you feel you have an advantage or a disadvantage as a female comedian in the entertainment industry? I think a lot of times people focus on just how hard it is for women, and that is true Mm -hmm. across the board in any field, any position you're in where it's majority men. So mm-hmm. I would say that probably starting out, it was more, a little bit more noticeable of like, okay, it, it is different for women. Um, things that are expected of you, things that are acts of you, you know, the way you get paid or don't get paid, like that's very noticeable when you first start out. And I think right. now uh, when it comes to being a woman in this business, there are, a lot of women who are extremely talented and so it's Mm -hmm. you can't you can't just say you can't say women aren't funny you know you can't say that anymore and and now thankfully because of social media you can see more women 
doing stand-up. You can mm-hmm. see people posting mm-hmm. their video clips. And so now if you – it's never an issue of like, oh, who is that? I ain't never heard of that person. It's just like just do a Google search, and you'll see mm-hmm. all of the things that you need to see to prove to you that there are women out there who are working and who are funny. Now, of course, there's always going to be sexism, and I think it's just so deeply ingrained in our culture that it's not even – like it's not even personal at this point. It's just like mm, what, yeah. the no- what the norm has been for so long. But all of that stuff is, is slowly starting to change because people are getting called out for it. They're getting called out for things that they didn't even think were sexist, you know? So right, it's, it's, right. Like a, it's like a re a re a reeducation, if you will, of, of what mm. needs to happen. Okay. Okay. Now, I know that you opened up for Wanda Sykes, which is huge, um, mm-hmm. but if you could open up for any comedian, who would it be? Oh, man, of course it has to be Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, so it would be Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, next question. Are you the type to review your performances? Like, do you go back and review it and say, this is what I need to work on? Or you just, you know what, I did my best. I'm going to let it go. I'm moving on to the next. Well, I um, I always record my set. Whenever I perform, I take my phone on stage and I'll audio record it. Not admittingly, I don't necessarily listen to all of them, but I have them. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just like this. It's just like a habit. So, but if there are moments when I say something off the cuff that I've never said before, or something comes to me and it just like connects and pops in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is, I need to focus on it more. Then I'll go back mm-hmm. and I'll listen to it and I'll review it. And also, thankfully, I started, you know, I work at the Comedy Cellar and it's like, you know, I'm going to say hands down the best comedy club in the country. And what mm-hmm. they do is they, they videotape all of your sets. They do it for themselves. They have like the archive, but you can get your video clip and that just makes it so much easier because hearing yourself is one thing, but seeing yourself, yeah. seeing how yeah. you did that face or your eyes brightened up when you said this thing, like that really helps elevate your performance. So I, I definitely That's do review myself and watch myself. I'm not sitting there with like, it's not, it's not like a game <laughs> tape. I'm not sitting there like with a clipboard, X's and O's, but like I definitely like take a look at it. No, that's good. I, that that um that uh strengthens you in in certain areas. That's really good. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, tell us about your book, Miss Author. What yes. inspired you to write this book? So my book is called um F your diet or really fuck your diet, but it depends on how <laughs> people's sensibilities are. And I when. When I was a journalist, even before I got into journalism, I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to um, get into writing a book. Like that's like the pinnacle of being a journalist is writing a book. And I knew that, you know, I would see people on television talking and it would be their name and then underneath their name, like author of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have to write a book because when you write a book, it just kind of cements you as having a voice, you know, somebody can go and check your book out from the library, you can be a reference point, you can be like reading material, like it just kind of like, it just kind of cements your existence, I believe, to a certain degree. And so I just knew I wanted to write a book, I didn't know what I wanted to write about. And then I did a a magazine article, and it named the top 
50 funny people who lived in Brooklyn. It was actually called Brooklyn Magazine. And from that Mm -hmm. profile that I was in, that list, a book agent reached out to me. We had lunch. We talked. And he goes, you know, I think you have a book. Like, you you ever wanted to write one? I was like, sure, of course. And at first I thought, okay, I'll write about my childhood growing up. I grew up in a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. And, you know, that was like, you know, being a misfit, all of that stuff. I'll just, you know, talk about that and other things, you know. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of zeroed in on talking about weight, body image, and diet because I've always been, you know, a fat kid. I've always been, you know, Mm -hmm. coupled to a lot of pounds overweight throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So I realize now, you know, a woman who's almost 40, that my my life experience, everything that I've gone through from my personal relationships to friends to family to work, everything has right. been shaped and molded by how I view myself, my physical body, and how I felt about my body. And mm. so that was kind of like an aha moment. And then the title came because we were having lunch, my agent and I, and he said, oh, you know, uh, diet books are the best-selling books in the industry. Like diet books sell, like, no, like, millions of dollars worth of diet books are sold every year. And I was like, oh, so I should just call my book Fuck Your Diet. You know, <laughs> that. And he was like, okay, cool. And that was it. That was like, I that title came up before I wrote a single word of the book, before I even wrote a proposal or had an idea of what the book was going to be. So it was just an adventure of just kind of reaffirming what that title meant. And so when I say Fuck Your Diet, I'm not it's not a diet book. I'm not a <laughs> clinical psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. But what it is, is it's, uh, it's a collection of essays about my experience with body image and body weight. I talk about things that happen in this country from social political things that influence how we eat from government policies. And basically, it's just my mm-hmm. way of letting people know, like, don't be so hard on yourself when it comes to weight and diet because there are a lot of factors that play a role in how we eat in this country that you will never have control over. And Mm. that's the thing that I think we don't focus on. It's always so easy to tell a a fat person, well, just just do X, Y, and Z and you'll lose weight. And it's like, what if you don't have access to a supermarket? What if the nearest one is two miles away and you don't have a car? You know, what if the budget only allows for you to buy fast food every night? Like, what if you're a family of five and it's cheaper to get, you know, the number three on the menu than it is to go and buy a whole whole organic food kit? Like, there's so many things that we don't play, play, you know, we don't realize affect how we eat. And, of course, I know it sounds like it's like a very, like, heavy, serious book, but there are definitely serious (laughs) moments, but all of it all of it is wrapped up very nicely with like a lot of my personal experiences and humor and funny stories and funny people in my life. So who, you know, all make me who I am today. That's so dope. That's amazing. And um, yeah, I was going to ask what, um, what made you come up on the title. Cause the soon as I saw that, I said, Oh no, this is, it's going to be funny. The moment mm-hmm. your title yeah. says F your diet, it's like, <laughs> That's going to be funny. So have you been getting yeah. any backlash based on the title of your book? No, no. I think um, I think everybody so far that I've, like, encountered, whether in person or, like, online, they're like, oh, I love it. Like, I love it. I'm going to read it. Like, I have to get this book. Like, they don't even know what it is. They just know that that title speaks to <laughs> who they are. And That's I mean, exactly I how I felt. More. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. 
so what are your what are some hopes and um visions that you see for the book you know i i definitely want people to read it number one <laughs> but, um i also want to, i just wanted to open up a dialogue i want people to have a conversation and to just reevaluate the things the pressures that they put on themselves now don't get me mm-hmm. wrong yes i I still, I still have my moments where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat clean, you know. I've been slacking, um, you know. I gotta kick up my, my workout, and I think all of those things that I do, I now I frame it around how I physically feel, more mm. so than how I, more so than how I look. And I think a lot of times we think about weight and exercise and diet with the end result being, oh, I look skinny, but it's like yeah. I know skinny people who aren't healthy, so. That they just won the they just won the the genetic pool with their metabolism, but that doesn't mean that they're yeah. in better shape than I am. So it's like a lot of those things that we just I didn't know as a kid growing up. I just thought like if you were a larger size person, you were unhealthy and you needed to do something about it. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand why the skinny people that I knew could just eat a whole bag of flaming hot Cheetos and <laughs> not get the beef. Like I just I just couldn't understand it. So I think um, I think I just want people to just re like reexamine their experiences and their relationship when it comes to their body and, and eating food because I think also a lot of times when it comes to the idea of a diet to me when I hear diet it, it just sounds like a punishment it sounds like every person I know that's on a diet is not happy no one is happy about being on a diet it just right. seems like something it seems like something you have to do in order to get this goal and I think that's a bad relationship to have with yourself and with food. And I think you need to focus more on how do you physically feel Mm. and are you in in good, good standing? Mm -hmm. That's good because, you know, just like you mentioned, a lot of people always say, Oh, a diet, it's like, it's a love hate thing, but you, it's, it's also the change of your mindset because, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I I was told that it's not a diet, like it's a whole lifestyle. You have to change your lifestyle. So when you look at that, then you realize, okay, I can do this. Um, Because technically, technically, um, a diet shouldn't be more than like, five to seven day kind of thing. Like you hear people being on a diet for like six months. And that's why it's not really, it's not, you're not mm-hmm. so successful in it because a diet is only, it's supposed to be a quick fix. But um, yeah, yeah, if you change your mindset, that's, so that's good. That's exciting. Do you, I know it's still early, but do you plan on writing another book? Or do you yeah, I was actually like, thinking about that. Um, I definitely, now let me tell you something. I definitely learned a lot about myself in the process of writing this book. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a lot. It took a lot for me to really focus. You know, like when you when you sign a when you get a book deal, they give you a certain amount of time. So I think they gave me like okay. nine. They gave me like nine months to write the book. And really, and I didn't. I didn't really sit down and write it until like the last three months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because I was like traveling and procrastinating. Like literally, like I got my book deal. I want to say in the spring. And then I was like, yeah. okay, I got all of these months. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pace myself. I'm going to write the book. And then literally, because I was also on the road at the time. So now for the summertime, okay. I'm home. Most most summers, I'm home off the road. It's so always like, okay. yeah, but it's summertime. Like, who wants to be sitting in the house <laughs> writing a book? I'm going to do it September. Actually, no, August. All, the end of August, I'm going to get cracking. I'm going to write this book. And that didn't happen. 
And so finally, I had to, like, shut everything down. And, like, for two months straight, like, November and December of last year, I just shut everything down. I didn't perform. I didn't really, like, go out. I I didn't travel. And I just was, like, in the house, working on the book, walking my dog, going food shopping. Like, that was it. Working out, that was it. And it really helped me focus a lot. So I think, you know, I just need to master a, a more productive way to, to write the, for the writing process, but I definitely would mm-hmm, like to write mm-hmm. another book. I don't, I also don't know what the topic would be yet. And I think <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that from the conversations that spring up from my book, I'll be inspired mm. to address and write something else. So it definitely okay. won't be, okay. it won't be food related though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying okay. to beat a dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, based on uh, your your writing, was there anything in particular that inspired you? Like, was it like you you took your dog for a walk? So, was it going for a walk that inspired you? Was it watching TV? Like, what inspired you to keep writing? Well, I smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> um, I'm so serious. I mean, I did. I smoked a lot of weed. I think. Um, and I could like sometimes depending on what I smoked I could tell like you know do you okay I'm aging myself but do you remember in a do you remember a different world and um, yes and Shree Summer who played Freddie like she had to write this paper but she got drunk and then she wrote the paper and she was like this paper is this paper's gonna kill it and then the next day she read it she was like what the hell is this like there was a couple it was definitely a couple days like that where it was like a stream of consciousness and I was like oh yeah too much yeah but I definitely smoke weed smoke I would smoke weed I sit at my desk and make sure like like where you write is so important like just setting the mood so I would write I would have my lamp on um on my desk and I would if once I knew I was going to get into the groove, like, I, I mean, I was, I wouldn't smoke out, but I would definitely like take a little pull <laughs> and just to focus myself and center myself. And then I would pick a song and I would pick a song that looped and I would literally uh-huh. just listen to that, listen to that song for probably like three, four hours oh, wow. just in the background, just like having something that like was like a, a chill vibe. Yeah. 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 That's so dope. Okay. So I have a last question for you. Um, what is, what are some advice that you can give to writers, to actors, comedians, and or podcasters? Yeah. I would say learn as much as you can about what you want to do. And by that, I mean, look at the people who have the careers that you want and see Mm -hmm. what they did along the way so that you can learn from their successes and their mistakes. And, Mm. you know, when it came to podcasting, I was, before I started my own podcast, uh, Social Misfit, I was on another podcast I did with Yamanika Saunders, another super hilarious, funny comedian. And Mm -hmm. we did that together. And I learned a lot about just the process of like constructing a good podcast episode, like, you know, you know, shout out to you, Queen, because like the way you have it structured. Thank you know, you. when it comes to when it comes to podcasts, it's like there's so many. But what makes your stand yeah. out is that you have like a clear vision, you have a clear theme, you have good questions, and I think you know Thank you can you. apply that. You can apply that to any of those things. It's like make sure you have a clear message, make sure you have a clear vision, make sure you are 
up to date on any technical technical thing that can help advance your product. So you know, right. if it's like if it's like learning programs, if it's like like I know how to edit, I know how to shoot video, I know how to audio edit, like all of these things that I taught mm. myself along the way. And it doesn't mean mm. that you have to be the best at it, but my mm-hmm. philosophy is like. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a very independent person when it comes to getting my stuff done. And I know that in order for me to convey my vision to other people, I need to know what I'm talking about. And so Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to learn as much as you possibly can about what it is that you want to do so that you can communicate it to the people who can help you get there and do it better. That's good. That's good. I I love that advice, and I love that um, what you said because it it brings me back to what um, I always feel like find a mentor um, and mm-hmm. just you know just move in it like because a lot of people think that you know you as well as myself like we are independent and you know when I first started out as an actress and and a podcast um, I. A podcast host, I felt like, oh, I can do it, I can do it. But I, what I didn't, what I felt like, I would be bothering somebody if I asked for help, if I yeah. asked for mentorship. And so a lot of times I'm like, I figured it out on my own. But you know, I as I get older, I realize that you can't do it on your own. You know, you're gonna be making the same mistakes, but you need somebody who has done it before, someone who can show you the ropes. So I think that's very important. What you said is finding a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. the big thing. The big thing is like, you know, it is hard for me to ask for help. Like that's how I'm on your yeah. podcast now is because I went to <laughs> I went to Twitter and I was like, hey y'all, uh, if you got a podcast, I want to be on your podcast. And I was yeah. pleasantly surprised by the number of people who was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's call in. I mean, and thank thank you to check technology. It's like, yeah, oh, I could just call yeah, you right? my podcast. Like, so that just definitely helps. And it's like you never know where. Um, where the next door will open for you at. And if you don't, you know, if yeah. you don't knock on doors, they won't get answered. That's so true. So true. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for joining us on the block. Yeah. Um, thank you. And where can the neighbors hear from you? Where can they Absolutely. see you, learn more about you? Yes, you can go to chloehilliard.com. That's C-H-L-O-E. H-I-L-L-I-A-R-D dot com and all of my stuff is there. You can click on the tab for F Your Diet, learn more about that. I'll be announcing yeah. my book tour dates and cities and locations. I also have a comedy album coming out this month called Big Dick Energy so check for that. <laughs> so yeah, um, 2020, I'm going to be all over the place. We love that. We love that. And where can we purchase the book? Where will it be on sale? Yeah, it's available if you go to my website uh, or if you mm-hmm. go to F Your Diet, FYourDiet.com, uh, the, letter, okay. the letter F and then spelled out YourDiet.com, you can go there and click on uh, any of your preferred online store apps and you can purchase it there. You can get a pre-order. So basically the way books work is they give you a pre-order and you can tell people to order the book, which is very helpful in helping it become a bestseller. And so it just right. means soon as soon as the book is on sale, sale, they count all of those months long of pre-order sales that you have, and that just helps catapult you. So 
the bestsellers. So you can order my book now, and then when it comes out on the 7th, it will be shipped out to you. That's so dope. All right. Once again, thank you, Chloe, for hanging out on the block with us. Thank you to all the neighbors for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this this podcast. Um, yeah. Any closings that you want, Chloe? Man, you know, keep being the queen, queen. You out here doing it. <laughs> thank you. I'm doing it. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> welcome to <laughs> welcome to the neighborhood. I'll see you at the top. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>